What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe, the Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and this is episode 288 of the show. Thank you guys for joining me wherever you may be. Uh, we're here in sunny California, man. And let's just talk about what's on today's menu. On today's menu, we are going to talk about this UFC fight night. Cody Garbrandt takes a big L to the man, the myth, the legend, Rob Font, friend of the show. He goes out there and establishes himself as a contender in the UFC's Bantamweight division. We also are going to talk about Josh Taylor. Stakes his claim as the best 140-pounder in the world by becoming the only sixth unified four-belt champion in history. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the rest of the UFC fight card, a little bit of Bellator with Chris Cyborg. What's going on with uh, Joshua Fabia uh, Fabia and those boys and Diego Sanchez? And we'll also talk about Tyson Fury, Wilder, what's going on with that. So... Um, lots to get to today, as you guys heard, man. Great fight weekend, but I hope you all are having an amazing, amazing week, amazing day. Uh, it's it's starting to feel like summertime out here. I don't know how it is wherever you guys are, but it's like 80 degrees here. You know, the sun is shining. You see, I'm out here rocking the tank top, man. We are absolutely, absolutely ready to get it going. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed this weekend's fights, and there was a lot. And and we talked about this a little bit, little bit beforehand. May it was going to be packed. All of 2020, boxing sat on their hands. They sat on their hands, and that's why we haven't had so many championship level fights. So May we had the fight this weekend. We have the one that's coming up this upcoming weekend, and so many more. Man, so we have a bunch of boxing that's coming out. We also have not only do we have a bunch of boxing. MMA, come on, man. We we they haven't slowed down. UFC, Bellator, we have PFL back this week, one championship. The the hits just keep on coming. And what we're actually seeing right now in MMA is that fam, we are just getting just just talented fighter fighting against talented fighter. And boxing isn't quite doing that right now. And I was going to wait a little bit later on in the show to get to this. You know what? I will wait. I'm going to wait for this one a little bit. Let's let's go out there and uh, let's just go ahead and jump into it. But I hope you guys are having an amazing day. Remember, this is Afternoon Coffee and Fight News with Serge V. Santa. So let me go ahead and take my little sip and get us rocking. Thank you guys for joining live everywhere podcasting is available. Checking us out on Facebook, on uh, YouTube, and on Twitch. I appreciate you guys as always. Remember, you can find the five podcasts everywhere podcasting is available. Apple, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, thefivepodcast.com. You get all of our episodes there. Like, subscribe, share. You can do it right down there, guys. So check us out. All right. This weekend, we had a UFC fight night, Vegas, Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt. This was a great fight. This is a fight versus number three, versus number four guys in the 135-pound weight class. Now, I've said this time and time again, this weight class is just as good, if not better, than the glamour division in the lightweight division. A lot of us have always said that the UFC's lightweight division, I've said it on this show, I've said it on Brothers of Combat, I've said it everywhere. The UFC's lightweight division, time and time again, proves to be the best weight class in all of combat sports. Yes! All of combat sports. That includes boxing, that includes kickboxing. From top to bottom, you generally have 10 to 20 guys that can get busy at any moment in time in the UFC's lightweight division. But I have to say... 
The 135-pound weight class is starting to look exactly the same. It is stacked. Yes, we have the tomfoolery, we could say, with the champion, Al Jermaine Sterling, and how that fight kind of ended last time. It was a little controversial. We don't have to rehash those things. We understand what ended up happening. For those who do not know what's happening, Al Jermaine Sterling, the current champion, was fighting against the former champion, Peter Yan. Peter Yan hit him with an illegal strike. The fight had to be stopped. Al Jermaine Sterling receives the belt. The first person to ever receive a UFC championship belt with a disqualification. So we have that. And now when we look at the rest of the weight class, I mean, you have Cody Garbrandt. You have, again, the man, the myth right now, Rob Font. So let's talk about this fight. This fight was a fight that a lot of people really looked at and said, look, man, Cody Garbrandt, a former champion in the UFC, his performance against Dominic Cruz is one for the ages. One of the best singular performances that you'll ever see. What he did, my man was absolutely in that zone. That, you know, people talk about, excuse me, that flow state. Flow state, a lot of times that people only get where, you know, they're taking, you know, on its alpha brain, which obviously they're part of the team now. So we appreciate them. But you look at those things and, and he he was in that flow state when he fought Rafael Sensau. Hitch, hitch, hit him with the, the look away knockout. Put his hand down there by the cage, came back, knocked him out completely. It, it was something that honestly a lot of people didn't understand, expect. And the thing about it is that people saw that performance and said, oh, He's going to go ahead and rip through this dude, Rob Font. I told everybody, hold up. And the reason I said hold up is because Rob Font, in my opinion, is the best boxer of all of the small guys in UFC. 125, 135. Out of those two weight classes, I'm going to say Rob Font is the best boxer in those two weight classes. I'm going to venture to say he's a better boxer than anybody at 145, better boxer than anybody at 155 as well. Let me see, 170. Honestly, Rob Fine is probably one of the top, top three boxers in all of MMA at this present moment in time. He also had a six-inch reach advantage on Cody Garbrandt. So when you look at somebody that has a six-inch reach advantage on dude, who his primary weapon is a jab. I'm going to say it again. His primary weapon is a jab. He is also a southpaw, a southpaw in which Cody Garbrandt has not faced in years. So I knew it was going to be a little bit of a problem. But the person who didn't really know it was going to be a problem was Cody Garbrandt. I'll be very honest with you guys. Look at these numbers. Rob Font, 183 total strikes compared to Cody's 78. 176 significant strikes to Cody Garbrandt's 63. Two takedowns to three takedowns. Cody Garbrandt started the fight off extremely strong, had a couple great takedowns. But one thing that I'm going to say, and, and I don't honestly, I don't care what anybody else says. Cody Garbrandt was shook. Not only was Cody Garbrandt shook, the thing about Cody in this fight in which you saw right away, I don't know if it's his, his new team over there in Jersey dealing with the guys over there with Mark Henry, who was a fantastic head coach. He seemed extremely passive. He was trying to be the counterpuncher. And Cody Garbrandt, when Cody is at his absolute best, is the aggressor. A lot of times he's a little angry. A lot of times he's a little reckless, but that kind of was what makes him great. And he didn't seem like he had that. But I think a big portion of that is that at the end of the day, he was facing the ground, Rob Font. 
And there was a moment in time where, I'll be very honest with you guys, and it really happened in the first round. It was that first combination. Cody's eyes got big. And you can tell in that very moment, he said, oh, shit. This, this isn't what I expected. He believes he's the best boxer in MMA. He believes he's the best boxer in that weight class. And he found out quickly in this matchup that he wasn't. Um, what is the bigger story? And this is a lot of people are talking about, is it a bigger story that Cody lost? Or, or is it a bigger story, Rob Font? And, and to answer your question, the bigger story in this is absolutely Rob Font. We're talking about a guy who now is on an amazing win streak, four-fight winning streak. He has beaten Sergio Pettis, Marlon Marias, Cody Garbrandt, a former UFC champion, a current Bellator champion, in an away class that I've said it time and time again is just as capable as the UFC's 135-pound division. I'm going to say it again. It is just as capable and just as deep. Raytheon Stotts isn't even coming close to a title shot yet. And he beats the majority of the guys in the UFC. That's how good that weight class is. It's stacked in Bellator. So he's beaten the former, or current Bellator champion, the former UFC champion, and also he knocked out Marlon Marais, who's a former WSOF champion, or that's PFL. So he is beating championship caliber people. And it's, it's at a point now that who is he going to fight next? Who should he fight next? And I'm going to give you guys a couple different options. It's easy to say, and, and me personally, I think wait for a title shot, right? He should wait for a title shot. He has earned his stripes. He was the number three ranked guy. He destroyed the guy who was number four. There should be nobody else behind him. The only thing that's in front of him is TJ Dillashaw versus Cody Sanhagen. Corey Sanhagen, should I say. That's a good fight. Maybe he gets the winner of that fight. I'm totally fine with that. Another option is he gets the title shot. He gets the winner of Aljo and Pierre Jan. That's also an amazing option. He shouldn't have to prove himself anymore at this point in time. That's how great his resume has been. And one of the things that we've seen, he was always one of those guys in terms of Rob Font. is one of the guys that a lot of people always went out there and said that he's good, but ah, when the big moments come, he's not getting it. People, this is his first headlining event. And he absolutely blanked Cody Garbrandt. I had it 50-45. It wasn't even close. Whatever judge had it 48-47 or whatever the hell that was needs it. I, dude, I'm going to tell you guys, I, I have no fucking clue what is going on with the judging in MMA. The, the random 10-8s and this, this, this atrocious judging. Look, and I know, Texas aside, all right? Because there's never quality judging in Texas. The, 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 the commission there is god-awful. Look what they did. They, they, they gifted, and I'm going to say it again, they gifted John Jones a win over Dominic Reyes. And, and that's the commission that we're dealing with in Texas. So we've seen that, but this was in Vegas. And we're still getting shitty, shitty judging. I don't know what the answer is. I've already said I believe that we need to go out there and do unified rules so that there is a consistent rule set within one championship, the UFC, Bellator, PFL, Risen, LFA, whatever. We need a unified rule set so people understand and it's not different wherever you go. That's my opinion. Something has to happen because these judges are just absolutely terrible. Okay. All right. Um, but who else 
should be next up for Rob. If it's not the champion in Aljo and Piotr Jan or TJ Dillashaw, Cordy Sanhagen, I think an amazing matchup, and hear me out on this one, is Dominic Cruz. The former champion, Dominic Cruz, is coming off of a win. Look great in his last time, his last outing, and still has championship aspirations. Since he has championship aspirations and since he still wants to fight at the top, what better uh, opponent? You give him Rob Font. The reason you give him Rob Font is this for Rob Font. If you beat Dominic Cruz, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You deserve the next shot. Just like Oprah, you get a title shot. You get a title shot. That's what you want to do. If not, obviously, the other the, the winner of one of those other four guys, I would say. But he's in that top mix for sure. Rob Fine is a title contender. And guys, he's been on the show a couple times before. I'm going to do everything in my power to get him back on the show to talk about this amazing, amazing performance. All right. Um, let, let's, let's move on a little bit. And let's talk about Cody Garbrandt. Is Cody Garbrandt on his last leg? Ooh, guys, I, I, I don't want to say that he is told he's washed because I saw some good things here. He's still young. I don't even think he's 30 years old yet. He had some decent head movement. He was just outgunned, outmatched, and at points in time, he didn't seem as if he knew who he was. He used to be very confident. Rob took that confidence from him right at the beginning. He broke. I'm going to say it again. He broke Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt was broken. It was a broken man. And that's why he just, yes, does he have power? Yes, he has speed. But he was broken in that fight. Cody Garbrandt, leading up to his championship run, when he won the title and he beat Dominic Cruz, he was 11-0. He is currently 12-4. He is 1-4. In his last five matchups, which I will say this. If Cody Garbrandt loses his next fight, the way that the UFC has been cutting former champions that are expensive. He is gone. I'm going to say it again. Cody Garbrandt has one more fight. And the person that's calling him out, and I believe that the UFC will actually give him this matchup, is Sugar Sean O'Malley. That is a fight that has heat. Sugar Sean O'Malley is somebody that the organization wants to propel coming off the Contender Series. And we see how they're using the Contender Series. Yes, they're bringing back the Ultimate Fighter. But as of right now, the best athletes coming out in essentially the feeder system that the UFC has is Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series that runs on ESPN Plus all summer long. It's coming up soon, I believe, as well. We'll have some of the uh, the up this year's competitors coming up. I'll be announcing that very soon. We got some fun people coming up on the show. But when you have those guys going on, let me see. So you have Sugar Sean O'Malley. Sugar Sean is a the guy they want to get out there. They want to promote. He he's marketable. He comes in there with Takashi Six Nine hair. He speaks well. He's he's funny. Albeit he has some terrible comments about some ladies a couple times, but he's somebody who goes out here and, and puts on a performance, knocks dudes out cold. Even when he loses, he's entertaining because look what happened with Cheeto Vera. He's making jokes about it now. And, and yeah, it was cringy, but he is somebody that has star making capabilities. 
the UFC does an amazing job of taking their old commodities, those old grizzled vets, and feeding them to their young up-and-comers so they can get that rub. That's what I totally believe is going to happen next. And if Cody Garbrandt, it's a winnable fight. He can absolutely win that fight. But, but, I need to, to tell you guys this. Rob Font had a six-inch reach advantage, and that six-inch reach advantage and that jab made it impossible for Cody Garbrandt to actually get anywhere near, anywhere near Rob Font. Sugar Sean is even longer. It's a terrible matchup for, for Cody Garbrandt. And if he loses that, I will tell you right now, I believe we see him in, in Bellator or PFL. That's what I say. Um, it doesn't look good for him. But man, look at this last year. This is just 2020 alone. Since his loss to, uh, or since his win to uh, against Rafael Sensau, he caught COVID. He caught vertigo. He had a bicep tear. And he's had blood clots. Man, 2020 was rough for Cody Garbrandt. So I believe that we're probably going to give him one more shot. But if he doesn't get it, even though he does sell, and he does, it's going to be hard to sell a guy who's lost five out of their last six. It really is. All right. Um, moving right along to the co-main event. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm, I'm pretty good on my picks. <laughs> I'm pretty decent on who I'm picking. And I will be honest with you, this one... I have counted this woman out time and time again, and I need to stop. Carla Esparza, cookie monster herself, goes out there and just dominates Yan Yan. I don't think I said her name right. I apologize, but you lost, so oh well. Carla Esparza goes out there and gets a second round TKO, two minutes and 59 seconds, and becomes only the 11th crucifix TKO win in UFC history. She went out there and completely dominated John. A fighter that I believed had all the ability. She was a dark horse in the weight class to win the title. Amazing striking. She's super strong, super powerful. And Carlos Sparza just ran through her. Ran through her, put her thing and just smashed her out. It wasn't a lay and pray. And here's the thing. I have some of her stats up here. Carlos Sparza, her last finish was in 2014. Her last TKO finish was in 2012. Her last submission finish, which was in 2014, which is her only finish in the UFC, was against the current champion, Rose Namajunas. That was the inaugural strawweight title. She won that in 2014. Yes, she got knocked out and beaten in her next uh, timeout by Ioana and Jacek, but she did win that fight. And since this time, because she did go through a stretch where she was looking terrible. But she has been killing it. She's had a couple amazing close wins, a couple split decisions, but you can tell she is starting to really put it all together. And this, this fight itself was exactly that. Have nothing else to say about it. She looked amazing. Carla Sparza, five fight winning streak, has earned a title shot. She's earned it. 19 and six. She deserves the next title shot at Rose Namajunas. And the storyline creates itself first strawweight champion against arguably the greatest strawweight champion who she's already beaten i love it it writes itself this needs to be the fight now i know dana white's going out there and said hey yo we giving this shit to to uh Wei Li zhang i don't need to see that fight again people 
I've seen Wei Li versus Rose Namajunas. Wei Li was completely fooled. Completely fooled and knocked out cold. You need to win a time or two before we give you an opportunity to fight again. And let's not forget the, her, her, her first title defense against Yuana and Jacek. I had her losing. I didn't even think it was as close as people made it seem. I thought it was an amazing fight, but Yuana won that fight. And then if we're talking about fluky flash knockouts, Wei Li Zhang versus Jessica Andrade was that fluky flash knockout. So she needs another shot, title, another fight to get back in title contention. And who better than Yoana Yanjaychik to run that fight back with? We already said it's the greatest fight of all time, greatest strawweight fight of all time. That's the fight you make. Make that as you make that the co-main event or put it on the exact same card as Carlos Sparza versus the current champion, Thug Rose Namajunas. There you go. Sean Shelby, you're welcome. I got you. <laughs> All right. Good fight, though. Carlos Sparza, happy for it, man. Um, hope you guys are having an amazing, amazing day. Everyone who's watching currently on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, I appreciate you guys. This is episode 288 of the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe, the Fight Podcast. I'm Serge Vicente, the host. This is afternoon coffee and fight news. We still got a lot to get to, so give us a second. All right. Man, if you guys are watching the comments, and I see we got a couple people checking us out today, man, thank you guys for watching on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Holler at us in the comments. Let us know. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, let me know. All right, you guys are also a part of the show. Moving right along, um, a couple notables that I want to talk about on this one was Jack Hermanson defeated Edmund Shabazian. Number seven, Hermanson beat the number 10, Edmund Shabazian. And, and here's my thing, right? The question is, did the UFC push Edmund Shabazian too fast? And the answer is unequivocally yes. He has the rub from Ronda Rousey. If we all remember when Ronda Rousey was coming up, she used to have this little redhead kid who'd go out there and she'd throw him around and stuff. And that was the person that she used a lot for her, her open workouts. Well, that kid that she used to throw around was actually Edmund Shabazian when he was only like 15, 16 years old. He has since turned into a badass. He is a badass, even though he's taking an L. He's turned into a badass. But because of the name recognition, because of Ronda Rousey, I believe that the UFC and the organization has pushed him along. He lost his last fight and showed glaring weaknesses on the ground to um, my litmus test in Derek Brunson. Knowing that, why would you give somebody that has the potential to be a championship caliber person, somebody who has... Star-making ability, an exciting style, who you have a lot of faith in, who carries the, the cosign of Ronda Rousey, your guy's darling. Why would you do that? They did it, and honestly, I think the UFC does a terrible, terrible job of developing talent. Now, I know a lot of us are going to look at me and say, Serge, that's not their job, and you're absolutely right. Once you get to the UFC, unfortunately, you got to be good. And you have to be as almost as close to a finished product. We don't have a lot of opportunities where we see these Charles Oliveras, these Max Holloways getting in there at 20 years old and being able to continue developing, taking one, winning one, losing one, winning one, losing one, becoming great. A lot of times what we see is these guys get ruined. And unfortunately, that's what it seems like is happening with Edmund Shabazian. 
He was defeated. He was humbled. And I almost, I honestly don't know what you do with him next. You need to give him somebody an, an easy win. And unfortunately with the UFC, you don't tend to get easy wins. He has some big wins on his resume. He beat Brad Tavares. But it doesn't mean he's ready for a title shot. And I think what we've seen his last two times out is that he is not a top five guy. Give him somebody in the back half of the top 10 or the top 15. Let him get his mojo back and come back at it. Now, does he need a new team? That is debatable. I've never been that fond of the team over there in Glendale. I don't think they train well-rounded MMA fighters. Ronda Rousey was not a well-rounded MMA fighter. So when we put those, when we put all those things into account, if Edmund Shabazian wants to end up being as great as he can possibly be, because I truly believe this kid can actually be pretty damn good, he's going to need to leave that team. I know it sounds fucked up, but it's just reality. All right, what else happened? This weekend, um, in terms of the UFC card, the fight card wasn't the most exciting card. Bellator also had a card, and that also was not the most exciting card, especially the championship bout between Chris Cyborg. So, like, let me talk about that one really fast, just because it's quick. Chris Cyborg goes out there, defeats Leslie Smith um, at the very end of the fifth round. She looked good in, in terms of Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg looked good. Chris Cyborg is, you know, she shows over and over again how amazing she is. She is somebody that, a la of Floyd Mayweather, the older she gets in her career, she, she kind of gets better. Her defense is, is fantastic. Her head movement is pretty good. And the thing about it is that every shot that she ta- she hits you with, she hurts you. She's an absolute savage. I love what I saw with, from her. Who is she fighting next? Probably Kat Zingano, and she's probably going to beat her ass, too. It is what it is. All right, uh, moving right along, let's talk about some box. Oh, also, thoughts on Valerie Lareda taking a loss. <laughs> All right, so Valerie Lareda. She is obviously one of the, the Bellator's darlings, and I think that, like I said, Bellator, unlike the UFC, does a great job of actually bringing up their people slowly. She only has three fights. This one loss, it's public because she's become such a name and a face in MMA. In the grand scheme of things, what does it show me? It shows me that she's not very well-rounded at this point in time. It shows me that she's tough. It shows me that she has some attributes within her striking. Her ground game is wild suspect. Her fight IQ is trash. What do you want me to say? Until she fixes those glaring holes, Fight IQ should come with time, but she really needs to really get into film study. And if she doesn't do that, she's not going to develop. Her ground game also is another thing that absolutely has to develop. She was just manhandled on the ground. Oh, and by the way, whoever her coach is that went out there and just read her ass the fucking riot act out there and just absolutely let her have it in between the second and third rounds, kudos to you, my friend. Because that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Be honest with your athletes. Be honest with your athletes and let them know, look, that spinning shit got to stop. You are getting dominated. Get your shit together. I love what I saw from that one. But look, 
Is she done? No. Is she washed? Absolutely not. She has a long fucking way to go, though. And I think this fight really showed us that she might not be as good as we thought she was, but she still has the potential. She has everything else. I give her props, but she does have a long way to go. Uh, also, this weekend, switch, switch gears a little bit. We had some boxing. We had a 145-pound uh, our lightweight title. Uh, Josh Taylor defeated Jose Ramirez. He becomes only the sixth undisputed four-belt champion in boxing history. Phenomenal performance. Um, most of the judges had it for what all the judges had at 114-112, which means he was dropped twice. Jose Ramirez was dropped twice by Josh Taylor. Which means if since it one fourteen one twelve, that means that was the difference in the fight. If it wasn't for the knockdowns, that means this fight would have been a draw. Did I have it as a draw? No, I had Josh Taylor winning. He would have won about a, by about a round or two, even still in my books. But it was a great fight. It was a great fight. After the fight, Josh Taylor calls out Bud Crawford. A lot. Now check it out. Everybody, when I say that, is going to look at me like I'm crazy and say, oh, Bud's going to wash, wipe his, beat his ass. It's not even going to be close. Josh Taylor has fought far better competition in his career than Bud Crawford. Josh Taylor, even winning the undisputed title, the exact same undisputed title that Bud Crawford had, had a much more difficult time getting there than Bud Crawford did because he fought actual elite competition and Bud Crawford did not. Does that mean Bud is going to lose? No, I'm not saying that. But I think it's a far better fight than people think. Now, does that fight happen next? Bob Arum could make that fight happen. Bud Crawford has one deal left on his pl- on a one deal left or one fight left on his deal. It's supposed to be done in October. If he plays his cards right, this is Bob Arum, he can sit back there and say, okay, we will give you a fight, a star-making fight with a big-name guy in a Josh Taylor. He can try to make that fight happen. Or he can just try to get rid of him, which I think might end up happening because I don't think they're in the business of Bud Crawford anymore. A lot of people get mad because they're like, oh, look, it's Spencer. We'll talk about this a little bit. It's fighting Pacquiao and all these other things happening. Everybody's ducking Bud. Nobody is ducking Bud Crawford. Bud Crawford did this to himself. Bud Crawford signed with top rank. Nobody forced him to do that. He made that choice when he already had beef with them. That's why he's not getting it. It is what it is. So, What's going to happen next? Is that fight going to happen? I doubt it. I think we'll end up getting the rematch between um, Taylor and Rigaru, uh, Regis Progre. I thought that was a great fight, fight of the year type of fight. Could have gone either way. I, I think Regis would actually win that fight if they fought again. I love it. Hope I get that fight happen because I'm a big Rigaru fan. You saw what he did to Ivan Redcatch, old quitting self last time out. All right, moving right along. Don't you love when people start calling you when you at Miller doing stuff? It's okay. Sent their asses to voicemail. It is what it is. <laughs> fight news. Let's go ahead and get into some fight news real quick. Um, this weekend, the Irish Dragon, one of my favorites, really. 
inside the cage, outside the cage, um, commentary-wise, Paul Felder, the Irish Dragon, retires, walks away from the sport record of 17 and 6, 9 and 6 in the UFC. Um, what is his legacy? His legacy is a damn good fighter. A damn good fighter who wasn't afraid of anybody. He went out there to fight. He was extremely well-rounded, durable, tough, and always went out there to, 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 to really excite the fans. Former CFFC champion. Absolute beast in what he does. I loved Paul Felder, man. And I'm so happy to see him go away and walk away in a moment in time where he is still the man walking away in a moment in time where he still has wits about him and he's not going out there and we're not seeing him taking just just knockout after knockout or defeat after defeat he understood that you know what i'm i'm not going to win a title at this point in time and if i'm not going to win the title why am i why am i doing this to myself he has a good job he has a great backup plan salute to paul felder um mad respect I, i'm always i've always been a fan Cannot wait to see what he continues doing in the future. Salute to Paul Felder. All right. Um, Arbitrator also goes out there and rules. Deontay Wilder will, in fact, fight Tyson Fury. The date is set July 24th. It'll be in Las Vegas, Nevada. Can Deontay Wilder win this fight against Tyson Fury? The answer is yes. Is it probable? Fuck no, it's not probable. But can it happen? And can Deontay Wilder really put a monkey wrench into all of this unification and everything else? He absolutely can. We don't know if it's going to happen or not, but at the end of the day, and I'll talk about this later on this week when I have uh, the guru on the show, B-Cam, we'll really deep dive into boxing. All right. Um, let me talk about this. I have two things, and we're starting a new segment. Is What's eating at me? And, and let me I'm going to talk about this one first. Let's talk about Joshua Fabian. Joshua Fabia was dropped by Diego Sanchez. Diego Sanchez finally smartened up and has left his former guru, Joshua Fabia. Joshua Fabia has gone out there and actually has in turn. And actually, let me let me pull this up for you guys because he's gone out there and said some some things about um, here it is about Diego that I, I just at the end of the day just don't appreciate. So he goes out here and, and essentially says that Diego has been taking advantage of me for two years as I've been fighting for him and putting myself on the line for him with zero benefit. I am the one getting death threats here. You're lying. Ain't nobody giving you death threats. You're a joke. You're a clown to everybody. And the fact that you have taken advantage of and, and done whatever the fuck, I don't even want to think about what you have done in front of and behind closed curtains to fucking uh, the legend Diego Sanchez, like I, I I I can't even get after it, man. The dude is a fucking worm, okay. And I'm talking about Joshua Fabia, dude. Just crawl under a rock somewhere and just go away forever. The dude is a schmuck. Hopefully Diego Sanchez can get himself back together. I thoughts and prayers to Diego Sanchez because at the end of the day, this, this, this leech had their their claws in this dude for so long and i'm glad that seems like diego finally has gotten himself away from that so salute to diego sanchez um and also last but certainly not least what's eating at me yo boxing sucks boxing fucking sucks yes i'm the boxing guy yes i love boxing but boxing right now sucks 
And I'm going to explain to you guys why. I was sitting here this weekend and I was having conversations with, you know, one of my 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 my, my other, you know, broadcasting partners in in Darnell Giovanni, Mystic, the Mystic one. I also had on my other chat, I was talking to to the guru B Cam, and we started going down listen. Darnell was asking me about some boxers and stuff like that. And the more I started thinking about some of these boxers, I started going down the list. He was actually talking about the Tank Davis fight and talking about his opponent. And when I started going down the list, I started thinking about it. And, and you really realize that no boxer that is ranked top 10 pound for pound, not Canelo out for us, but the rest of them, none of them have even three, three elite opponents on their record. I'm going to say it again. These mugs don't have no boxer in the top 10 has at not named Canelo Alvarez. And you know what? For shits and giggles, I'll say Lomachenko as well. None of them have three people in the three elite competitors in the top 10. That's an indictment on the sport. They get so enamored with let's go out here, you know, oh, look at these records 30 and no, 50 and no, blah, 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 blah. Who cares if you're not fighting anybody? Have you ever looked at any of these dudes' records and resumes? You go down a list and it is all cab drivers. Straight cab drivers. I've never heard of any of these dudes these dudes have fought. And you go down the list and you're just like, how is these guys, how are these guys elite boxers when they don't fight anybody? Boxers in boxing community love shitting on MMA fighters because they're like, look at this dude's records. Look at like, for instance, Paul Felder, 17 and 6. That's not an elite fighter. Um, no, your fucking 30 no guys aren't fucking elite because at the end of the day, nobody they're not fighting anybody. Paul Felder is 17 and 6. You know who Paul Felder's last win was? Paul Felder was the last person to actually defeat Charles Oliveira before Charles Oliveira went on this fucking run. That's how good Paul Felder is. TKO him in the second round. He has a record of 17 and 6. I respect that man. I don't respect these boxers that are getting paid boatloads of money, but they aren't fighting anybody. Who cares? That is why, and I'm going to say it again, the number one draw in boxing at this moment in time is fucking Logan Paul or, or Jake Paul. It's embarrassing. It's truly embarrassing and it's an indictment on boxing. And yes, we have great fights coming up. Yes, this weekend, this past weekend was exciting, but that is few and far between. We never, we never get this shit. In MMA, in MMA, the best fight the best. You can give me all the bullshit you want. Well, oh, they're not getting paid. Oh, Dana White this. Oh, you know what? One of the things that people always talk about is that Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather never got paid. Floyd Mayweather saw him at a fucking Clippers game. They made it that night, which tells us this very clearly. If the fighters actually want these fights to happen, they have enough leverage and power that they can make these events happen, and they're choosing not to. Boxing is full of shit right now, and it's really an indictment on the fucking sport. I love boxing. I will continue breaking it down. I will continue hyping it up, but I'll be very honest right now. Dude, this is ass. This has been ass to watch. Dude, we have... 
look at this this nonsense arbitration that we have with Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, and Anthony Joshua. This we that shit would never fucking happen in MMA. That we sitting here waiting and, and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then all of a sudden this shit happens, and then a fight is taken away and it's postponed even longer. Dude, we might not ever see that AJ fight against any of those dudes. It's embarrassing. So. I'll talk about this more when we have our guru B-Cam come on and we'll really get deep dive into boxing. But it's it's just one of those things that it's, it's been on my mind for the last little bit. And it, it's just, it's disappointing. It's disappointing because there's no reason why the top boxers in the world aren't fighting anybody. Why isn't Jamal Charlo fighting anybody? I don't understand. Why is Bubu Andre just running around doing nothing? Why, like, I who 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 the hell was Caleb Plant's last fight? I have no idea. Who, where the fuck is David Benavidez? Like, I don't understand what is going on. Why is Teofimo Lopez choosing to fight people that aren't directly up under him? Why is Tank Davis choosing not to fight his mandatory? I don't understand. It's an indictment on the sport, and it's an indictment on the athletes, and it's an indictment on the promoters. It's an indictment of us as fans. We shouldn't accept this anymore. It's ridiculous. I, I'll be honest with you. As of right now, over the last couple of years, MMA is absolutely beating boxing's ass. It is what it is. I let it be there. Everybody, this is dog. I, I I can't even. My boy Maddie Fox is in the building. I see you, brother. Yes, I gotta let it go. I can do. I'm, you feel me? Everybody feels me. This is ridiculous. I'm I'm irritated. I'm so fucking irritated right now. Uh, blows my mind. Uh, it, ugh, it is what it is. But look, that's about all the time we have for today, everybody. Uh, this has been episode 288 of Afternoon Coffee and Fight News of the greatest combat sports and culture show in the entire universe of fight podcast. I'm your host, as always, Serge Vicente. Um, Check us out everywhere podcasting is available. Apple, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Check us out at thefightpodcast.com. Also, this week, we we have a lot coming up. So check it out. This week, what we have Thursday, I have Akrez coming on the show of Akin Barak of The Zone. We are going to talk boxing. We are going to talk about what is going on with Canelo. We're going to talk about what's going on with Wilder and all those boys. We're going to talk about somebody who is connected to them in Acreas. So he comes on the show on Thursday. Tomorrow, we are back with Brothers in Combat with Darnell Giovanni. That'll be tomorrow morning. On Wednesday, we are back with B-Cam with another episode of the Fight Podcast. We're doing all things boxing. And we might even have something else coming for you guys. I think we also have... uh, just waiting here back. Den Thomas actually is coming back on the show this week as well. So I'll let you guys know about that and so much more. But with that being said, this is Serge Vicente. Love you guys. I'll see you next time right here on The Fight Podcast.